Hey guys, what's up? It's Zemet here. This is Cartel Aristocrats cast number 45. This week, hopefully we make it all the way through as there are severe Warner weather in my area and we might get hit by a tornado. So if I disappear halfway through, uh, not great. I'm joined this week, as always, with guest Edwin, head buyer of Curlon's Game Shop, Travis Allen of Land and MTG Prize, and Jim Caselli, writer of Modern Nexus, and of course, jimcojones.com. Uh, as usual, we <clears throat> talked last week about Modern Masters 2017, and we didn't know all the spoilers. And now the value of the set is insane. So since we've sort of had a couple of days to process this, how do you guys feel about Modern Masters 2017? I would prefer to call it Modern Masters the kitchen sink because they put a lot of stuff in there, like basically everything that you could possibly have wanted from like anything that they've missed in the last two sets, plus all of the new things that they could have added from the sets that were being added. Um, and it seems like they might have actually printed enough product that you're going to be able to find some near MSRP. Which means that all of these cards are going to be worth a lot less money, which is good for people that want to play, and bad for people that own a ton of modern cards. But like keeping large Magic collections at this point, like large expensive Magic collections, is not advisable. So I think we can kind of break this down, right? Like obviously, since uh, our last cast on. Uh last Monday. Um, the only thing last Monday, the only thing we knew about definitively was the enemy fetch lands were spoiled and uh, damnation. That was it. I think that was the majority of Monday's uh, spoilings. A big part of it was kind of what showed up in like the coming days, right? Like we didn't see blood moon until Thursday. That was like one of the last like big cards to be spoiled. Voice resurgence was there. Cabinet of souls was on Wednesday. You know, like there were definitely heavy hitters. It wasn't just like, you know, we're here to spoil fetch lands, and then the rest of the set is crap, obviously. There's a lot, a lot of... Uh, a lot, people point out there's a lot of, like, cards that definitely needed reprintings. Um, you know, even down to, like, the rares and uncommons. It's not It's not just, like, Mar Masters 2, where a lot of the focus was, hey, did you open up, you know, Vendillion Click, uh, Dark Confidant, uh, Mox Opal, Karn, like, the bigger mythics. You know, there's definitely value kind of interspersed throughout the entire set here. And um, in terms of, like, just pure EV, that definitely helps kind of smooth out the box. You're less likely to open an absolutely absurd box, um, especially if we're kind of predicting, like, a dip in prices. But because there's definitely money in both the rares and uncommons, you're just not going to get completely rinsed and just have, like, a box where, oh, I didn't open Tarmogoyf. My mythics were bad. This box was just completely worthless. Like, could it could happen with Mar Masters too? I don't think I have too much to add here that wasn't already said. It seems like a late Christmas gift to people that want to play Magic, and a warning bell for those of us who care how much it costs. Uh, you know, it's it, unless you had a huge collection already, this does a lot of. Uh, does a lot of favors for you. So uh, the only the only story here from here on out is how far will prices fall? Will they rebound? 
and how much spiking is there going to be on the other cards? So Noble Hierarch, Karn, Mox Opal, and those guys, which we've already seen action on. Um, but most of the stuff that got missed was already pretty high. So I don't know how much of those big ticket items can spike too hard. Most of them have picked up like 10 to 15%. That might be about it. And yeah, we've already seen fetches drop a ton. And I mean, it's going to be insane. I mean, there if you if you believe in modern, this is going to be the best set ever to buy into and see insane rewards. But if you think that Wizards is killing modern, then this could just be a money a money uh, pit. Besides the obvious thing of buy low, sell higher for like fetches when you're buying off Craigslist. Uh, if you're trying to speculate on modern while Watsy keeps killing this, you could really just get hurt. So it's a it's a double-sided coin there. You don't know if you're going to make very easy profits like 2012 to 2014 or if you're just going to get burned because uh, you're just not expecting the demand that won't be there necessarily. Um, anything you want to add there, Ed? I think one of the most interesting things here is like there, there's no guarantee for modern in the future. Um, like you had mentioned, uh, like like where's a like where's a consumer like confidence on this? We've already seen a drop in uh, modern on the professional level. It's definitely taken a dip in terms of how many grand prix there are. Uh, I think in the U.S., Grand Prix Las Vegas is the last remaining modern Grand Prix if you're going to play in the U.S. at all. Otherwise, you're looking abroad. Um, so, like, what does that actually mean for the future? I think that's kind of where people want to be looking at for modern. Um, and, I like, it's hard to say. It depends on where you are. Like, here for us, modern is, uh, is like, one of our biggest tournaments, Monday Night Modern, which is happening upstairs right now. Like, we draw a pretty good crowd for it, and I think that's kind of where Wizards wants to go with modern it's not necessarily meant to be a competitive format i think that kind of disaster of pro tour oath and gatewatch last year kind of showcased like like what when modern goes wrong it goes very wrong um and I, I think it's one of those things that's better served as kind of a casual format people don't necessarily need to be competitive about it it's one of those things where if people want to play in their free time you know spend your time putting together this jund deck modern masters 3 pretty much all your staples for jund are in there with the exception of Dark Confnaught, basically, who is basically kind of falling off the radar. If you're looking to buy into Jun and you want to spend a few months putting it together, like, Modern is a format for you. But in terms of the future, like, who knows what could happen with Modern? I think that's kind of where... It, it's hard to predict in terms of actual MTG finance from here on out. Like, what are we doing with fetches? Like, do we necessarily... Are we going to continue to buy fetches? Because at some point, we can only assume that Modern is just going to go the way of Extended... And we'll like whether or not it's frontier, something will probably have to take the place of modern because modern is it to me, it kind of feels like one of the updated uh, sorry, not updated out, out of date formats, as it were. Like we saw it go the like legacy kind of go that way, extended went that way. Like it feels like modern is kind of shifting to go like towards that way as well. I don't know if I agree with the premise of what you're saying there. Like I think that it's it's pretty obvious right now that modern is the most popular format, and even if it becomes what? less pop, what do you mean what? Not even close. Sorry, I meant tournament format. Sorry, not not like there, there is a difference though. No, no, Which you're also right. completely disqualifies legacy. You shut your whore mouth, Travis. 
Well, anyway, as I was saying, I, it's the most popular tournament format where you could go to a Grand Prix for it, for instance. Um, and I don't really think that that's necessarily going to change very much. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Modern is built on this premise, much like Legacy, where your cards don't leave, but it doesn't have any reserve list cards to like really hamper its ability to grow. Um, so I don't think that necessarily Modern is, is doomed or is really going to see any signs of like real regression in the near future. Um, you, we would really need to see like a huge grow in the player base and then just not enough cards to be around. But if they keep doing Modern Master sets every two years and you know to keep the price of Tarmogoyf at like $50, then I don't think it's necessarily unlikely that we see Modern just continue to be uh, the format of choice. Um, it, but it really depends on like how if they keep up with reprints and keep the prices of those cards down. Uh, and also, was, I, I really didn't realize that there really are not very many modern Grand Prix to begin with. Um, in the United States, you have San Antonio, which is the weekend after Orlando, I think. I don't know. I didn't do my math. And then uh, there's Vegas. And then at the end of the year, there's Oklahoma City in December. That's modern. And that's pretty much it. And then even after that, there's only like four or five other modern Grand Prix. So... I understand that like there's not a ton of times that you can play it at a large tournament, but I think that that's fine, and I don't think that's necessarily indicative of the format's health. Uh, you know, we still see that Star City runs a ton of modern opens. Their modern opens are consistently the biggest that they ever have, and are the ones that sell out the most often. And then their classics on Sunday are also the biggest that they've ever been. So. Clearly, there are a lot of people that like playing modern. Whether or not it's a good format is another story, but I don't think that you should go into buying cards for Modern Master 15 or 17 with the thought that like it could not be a thing relatively soon. Because I don't think that's that's necessarily in in the cards just yet. I think modern scratches an itch. Well, just I thought this thought. I think modern scratches an itch for a lot of players that no other format does. So even though it might look a little dim occasionally from our perspective, like price is crashing because the Modern Masters 3 or not a lot of GPs or what have you, attendance stays strong and people love to play the format. And I just, until there's something to replace it, um, which could come, but I don't think we're gonna see anywhere in the next two years, uh, I do expect it to remain fairly healthy. If you like players that are the same age as Pokemon players with the hygiene skills of Yu-Gi-Oh players and the general annoyingness of Magic players, Modern is the format for you. And then it just gets that much worse if you play EDH. Right. You know what? I actually played Magic uh, this weekend, and it was so much fun. Just casual uh, turn one Misha's workshop into Soul Ring, into Trinisir, casual EDH Magic. And even though in a competitive format that would be game breaking, the EDH players just didn't care, and I still lost eventually. Um, you can play all these powerful cards in a uh, in an EDH deck, and they don't necessarily do anything that's as broken as just one on one uh, tournament play. And you can lose to like a, a freaking uh, Visitrix because once their things out. Well, Throne of Amethyst, Trinisphere, and Smokestacks don't really stop a Visidrix. 
Um, so one of the cool benefits about EDH is you can have a less powerful deck and still have a chance. Whereas if I'm playing a turn one Noble Hierarch and you're playing a turn one Avacyn's Pilgrim, there's a very high chance that I will beat you just because I have more money and my cards are better. I kind of t- zoned out for a second, but I heard you talk about Visidrix and Thorn of Amethyst, and what the hell are you discussing? What format of magic is this? <laughs> this is the best format. This is uh, EDH, man. He was playing his Duretti prison deck against some guy playing, like, Blue Beast Tribal or whatever the fuck creature type Visidrix is. There's one F bomb. Vanilla rares. You only get three. Yeah, um... I don't know, man. EDH is just casual magic is where it's at, and that's where a lot of these finance people started looking. Is all the all the casual attracts this stuff, and we keep beating this over the head. But you look at some of the the websites and uh, discussion groups for MTG finance, and people still just only focus on tournament magic. And if you've been focusing on tournament magic for the last year, you've been getting absolutely killed by these price drops. And not spikes. If you have a rather large collection, you've just been getting slaughtered across the board. Yeah, I mean that that's there's an interesting piece in there that you mentioned is like if you pay only only attention to constructed magic, you get crushed. Um, you know, I in my articles every week are supposed to be looking out kind of on the horizon at you know what's sort of out there, not like spikes or not pick of the week. It's more just like you know what are we what do we want to have on our radar so we can keep an eye out for because the price could move. And every single week I try and go to standard and I can never find anything. Like I could dig around in like the MTG Salvation forums and find like garbage tier 11 decks that play, you know, some garbage card and be like, oh, well, you know, those are cards to keep your eye on, but it's not really like standard is just this season or especially is just totally, uh, there's just nothing interesting there whatsoever. All of the cards that I find myself looking towards are like modern and EDH because I just can't get that out of standard at all. Yeah, and there is an opportunity when these things happen to catch up on cards that haven't spiked yet. I think we talked about some of them last week. I've really been uh, reveling in some of the price spikes lately, you know, because these cards are somehow holding double the price that they were before. Do you feel like you do a disservice to our listeners when you basically have zero or negative content comments that exist only for the sake of being a delivery mechanism for a bad pun? I mean, if you've ever been to one of my tournaments in person or seen me at FNM, this is all I do. Yeah, but those are people keep coming back. But those aren't people that are there tuning in specifically to listen to you talk about magic finance. They're there for a tournament and they have to put up with you. The people that are watching right now. The proudest proudest moment of my life is getting booed out of my own TO meeting for uh, making too many puns in the players meeting. Fun times. Brings a tear to my eye. So to kind of go back on the topic of modern, one of the things I'm interested about, Jim, you had mentioned earlier that you expect there to continue to be modern Masters products for coming years. But my question is, like two years down the line, you know, in 2019, when we're hopefully not doing what we're doing now and grinding out Magic cards, like how how are you going to be able to convince people to pay $10 MSRP on a booster pack of modern Masters 2019? Like it just seems like they like everything is going to be so heavily devalued with a set. And I think people are like greatly underestimating like how much is being put into a market. Like there's obviously no shortage of boxes at the store. We've pre-sold a ton of boxes. I'm sure sure Jeremy is in the same boat. Almost every other major like WPN retailer has basically said, you know, we just have all these boxes. Like we're hoping 
like people were quite literally telling me that like ask me if i have enough boxes to fill all my orders because they people want dump boxes off on me every and retailer distributors are offering more yeah you know, exactly. we got it we got our amount and then distributors are like all right now that we've sent you 200 boxes would you like some more boxes yeah and basically no one like no retailer or distributor basically wants to be holding holding all this when the prices start to tank because realistically like I, I I'm not gonna open a product to sell singles. The only singles I'm putting online are what pe ever people open and sell back to us, right? And at the end of the day, I hope that I have no more Masters three boxes to hold on to for more than like a month. One because there's no guarantee that there isn't gonna be a second print run, and two the prices are gonna tank so hard that the EV of the boxes are just gonna go through the floor once everyone kind of gets over the excitement of hey I have like a complete place at Modern now, well. Okay, now that everyone has a complete place at Modern, your cars are worth nothing because no one wants to buy them or sell them because th there's just so much out there. Like, there's going to be far more um, cards available to market than what people are actually going to want to snatch up, especially on things like Damnation. You know, it's a one or two sideboard card at best. And you're sure she's playing like Cube, EDH, whatever. But however much people are going to open, it's just going to far, far, far like exceed like whatever demand there is for it. So that card's going to go through a floor. Um, Blood Moon fetches, like those are a little bit, they're obviously very powerful cards. There's much going to be much more demand for them. But at rare, like most rares a day, most rares nowadays, if you just look at conventional magic sets, most rares have basically been relegated to bulk. If you look at like Determined Scene, Scrap Heap Scrounger, Thalia, Toolcraft Exemplar, these are all staples in the Mardu Vehicles deck, which is the most played deck in standard right now. And, like, Scrappy Scrounger is the most expensive one at $3. And that's a four of. So, like, you know, even even though this is a limited print run set, right, people are just going to be able to open infinite of these cards, and that's just going to completely crash the EV of the set. I mean, there's, there's eventually a floor to that, like, once the EV of the set becomes about the cost of the box, then it really can't go that much lower, because people will just stop opening them at that point. But... I, I know what you're saying, and you know that's the kind of thing that happened with the last Modern Master set. It wasn't, it didn't have quite as many cards in it, so the cards that like went down didn't go down quite as much as uh, other cards, like as these might go, because you know the the price distribution will be more flat because there's more cards that are going to be worth money. Um, but we've seen already, like two years later, that the cards that were not reprinted from the last Modern Master set are already getting expensive again and doubling up from where they were like a couple months ago because they just weren't reprinted. Like Karn and Mox Opal are like just two two examples of cards that are like getting very expensive again because they're 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 now the new like choke point for building decks. And I think that's just going to be a revolving door, which is why if you're going to play modern and you want to own more than one deck or you want to build a deck as cheap as possible, you always have to go with whatever cards are in the newest modern master set and then wait until the next one to get the reprints for them to come down. And then something else will become more expensive again. Like we haven't really seen everything that's going to happen after this modern master set, but like even the few things that have changed in price because the, Choke the, the choke points to getting into the format are now different. I think that the, the overall format's price is going to go down a little bit, but something else is going to get expensive. That's just what happens every time. Well, you know, there's a characteristic here is, um, you know, Ed mentioned a price floor, and you said, oh, it can only get so low. But, I mean, the price on a lot of these cards 
if the MSRP on a box is, uh, I don't know what, I don't actually know what it is, like $200 or something like that. Like 240. So MSRP is 240, which is roughly the price floor for the set in total. Uh, but those staples right now have to come way down to hit 240. So that floor is real low. But basically, it's going to behave like a standard set. It is virtually infinite supply until Wizards cuts it off, which is what a standard set is. So this is not, I mean, they're not just going to keep bringing Modern Masters to demand, but they have so much that it will probably fill a roughly equivalent amount of demand like that for that first year. So like they will recover eventually. But that is a long way to fall for a lot of very expensive cards. And it just seems like it's in contrast to the old modern masters just so much more um a lot of ground to lose for those guys the those guys being the cards i think I the mean, floor for this set is about 160 and i think we're gonna hit it we saw what happened with eternal masters and i think it's gonna hit 160 a box yeah i mean part part of the thing i think that like the the supply issue i think looks more exact like it, it looks worse than it is because we don't have a Modern Masters Grand Prix and or any Modern Masters Grand Prix as like we did last year. Um, obviously, I think that they did make more product because they can sell more product. And at some point, like I'm sure that the, the amount of boxes that they made for Modern Masters 1 and Modern Masters 2 and Modern Masters 3 have just gone up significantly since the last you know print run or whatever. But... I think that it also looks a lot like there's a lot more because they're being distributed to the stores instead of being opened in three events at the same time in a very, you know, small location. I feel like there's a little bit more distribution going to the actual stores themselves. But then I think there's also just some of the fact that the vendors are being more skeptical now because they don't want to be stuck with too much sealed product because if it's just rotting on your shelves, then it's just capital you have tied up that you could be using for other things. I want to make a distinction here between what you were saying, Jim, between vendors and shops. I think there's a huge difference. Shops are going to be okay sitting on this because Timmy's going to walk in the shop with $10 and buy a pack and you're going to make your money back pretty fast. Pretty, You're going to be out of packs pretty fast. You don't necessarily have to reorder that many from your distributor once you sell them. So shops, brick and mortar shops are just going to sit on this and be fine with it. Vendors have to keep moving money so they can afford to pay for all their expenses, including Grand Prix. With boosts going up and profit margins going down, it's just not worth it for many of these vendors to continue vending. And as a result, they have to look for new ways to make money to continue to be able to go to a Grand Prix and buy cards. So my difference, is, the diff, what I'm saying the difference is, is that both shops and vendors are going to sell out of this very fast. I think we can agree on that just because of the EV for the first month or so before it hits the summer and, you know, no one, no one's really uh, buying boxes anymore. They're just buying singles. So Kerwans, for an example, will then be able to, if they have enough money to keep their inventory going, go to a Grand Prix, buy a Goblin Guide at $8 and sell it for $15. Your local card shop, on the other hand, is not going to have as many people walk in, but they're also going to be focused more on Amaket, focused more on all the other things that are coming out this year. So a vendor needs that capital to pay for its employees to go somewhere, whereas a card shop will not have as many costs, especially a successful card shop. And they're fine just sort of sitting on this and not necessarily reordering the amount that if we get a second wave will happen. Um, 
So vendors are going to put this on TCG for $160. They're going to make $10 a box on whenever this finally does hit the floor. And I think your normal card shop owner is just not even going to bother reordering this and tying up all that capital. Whereas there's shops who have made their name selling standard boxes and making three to four dollars a box, but they sell one to two thousand boxes online because they're a vendor. And I hope that makes sense. I don't know. I didn't get that much sleep last night. Kill me. I think like one of the like important things to note again is like like what are you trying to do with your money, right? Like we kind of saw the effect of what happened like kind of towards the tail end of the summer or beginning of the summer and into kind of the tail end of the summer, right? We had, there was a point where you had eternal masters came out in, uh, in late June, you had Eldritch moon come out a few weeks later, you had conspiracy Two right after that. And that pretty much segmented right into Kaladesh, right? We obviously saw like what happens when you have too many products, like in a very short period of time come together. It just kind of, it just kind of crunches everyone's finance together and here we kind of have a similar option where we have kind of the floodgates opened right it's just how much mar masters do you want to order right that like that question was presented to us and the fact that we can order as much as we want now instead of being able to just kind of spread out over several different products we're kind of basically hedging pretty hard onto mar masters 3 and hoping that we're able to turn it over by the time amonkhet rolls around because again honestly like i don't want to be sitting on this stuff I think like I think we've learned our lessons. I think most retailers that held on to Eternal Masters products trying to slow roll it out, they got burned pretty hard, right? Like if you if I look online right now, there's no shortage of places where I can buy Eternal Masters for 160, 170 shipped to my door. And like a lot of those retailers are basically begging people to take their boxes. They can they can't do anything with them. Uh the prices of Eternal Masters singles themselves have already basically been tanked. And now the product, once people are over, you know, like, hey, we want to draft a set, you know, people have already moved on to the next thing, the next Masters type set. And I think, again, when the, when the initial rush of all this is kind of over, right, like, it's who is really going to be stuck holding the boxes? I, I, the distributors obviously don't want to. As stores, I don't want to. So it's a simple matter of kind of just flushing it all out before it gets really bad. And... Another thing to note with Eternal Masters, it costs, what, like 145 a box right now? So shops selling it for 180 online are making $15 after fees and uh, shipping. And you're seeing these Eternal Masters uh, singles. They theoretically, the market should even out through arbitrage for in Europe and Japan. And that's what we've sort of seen is all the, the force of wills that commanded a way higher premium in the past they're not that much higher over in Japan as far as arbitrage anymore. So your arbitrage numbers uh, for those people who fly back and forth every single week from Grand Prix are not as great anymore because even in, even in other places around the world, the demand's just not there anymore for competitive cards. Whereas you can go and get reliquary towers and soul rings on other parts of the world where those formats actually don't exist. And there's still plenty of demand for these casual formats in America. So like Chromatic Lantern from the Commander deck. But all everyone who has a Force of Will, who wants a Force of Will, has a Force of Will at this point. I would argue. I would like to take a moment to pause the podcast and let you know that apparently I received like 13 cards on Puka Trade in the last two days, and I only just found out when I opened the envelope. I'm sorry that you still had points. 
anecdotal Me evidence. Too. <laughs> anecdotal evidence. Well, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything other than that I received it. It's not meant to prove a point. So we had a uh, we had a discussion about this uh, with our former co-caster Douglas Johnson having picked up all the power in the world, all the high end stuff, and I've got some people coming and bringing some high end stuff too. Uh, I know Ed had something to say on this topic. Say you get a hold of a piece of power through Craigslist or your buddy selling or something. Do you want to move that thing as quick as possible for say fifty to a hundred dollars more than what you paid or a very small profit margin? Or do you want to wait for the perfect person to come along to pay three to four hundred dollars more than what you paid for that card? Uh, it kind of all depends on cash flow, right? Obviously, for me as a store, right? Like the cash flow, like if I buy like you know a piece of power, even like a Lotus or something, right? Like compared to my overall inventory, it's not that big. I imagine for someone like Doug or kind of your your regular like backpack dealer or. Uh, kind of armchair speculator or whatever, like buying a piece of power probably is going to tie up a substantial amount of their uh, capital that they would be able to spend on other cards. So it's a little bit different for me. I have I have luxuries of all the options. I've definitely sat on a piece of power mainly because, oh, I have multiple shows coming up. I can basically just put my price tag on it and I'll wait. I have no reason to go lower. And I've been at shows where, oh, we're getting low on money. We have, we have lots of good buys coming in. I'm basically going to market up 5% if someone wants it and get, and they get a good deal on it. Great. I have more money to spend on other things. If, if I have to take it home, then I would rather not. I could use the capital right away um, and everything in between. So it's hard to say for sure. It kind of depends on where I am. I imagine most people, most people I think kind of fall into a mindset of asking a little bit too much for power, mainly because they don't just don't have quite the same amount of experience with it. Um, once you kind of get over the hump of realizing that, oh, a piece of power, especially unlimited, there's nothing special about it. It becomes a little bit easier to just kind of flip it over and you can just realize that, oh, this is just as replaceable as any other magic card out there. They are just pieces of cardboard. That's all they are. The same, except it's just a degree. It's just a piece of paper. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't know, honestly, because I think if you're in MTG finance, you want to make the game cheaper for yourself. I would just flip it for a very small percentage of over what you paid and you sort of become established as that guy who moves power lower. So people will come to you and they'll say, Hey, do you have this card? And you'll sell like a Lotus for four or $500 more than what you paid for it. But if you do that seven times in a year, that's essentially a free Black Lotus. Instead of tying up all that capital for two months until you can make it to the next Grand Prix and getting like six or $700 from Bach or someone else. So I think every time you get a high-end card, you put it on the internet for a competitive price, either on Facebook, Twitter, TCG, eBay, and you just keep doing that as fast as you can get the pieces in. At least that would be my strategy. I mean, There's generally, a- my strategy for just cards in general is if you don't play with them, don't have them. Just don't own them. It's better to have money than it has to have cards most of the time. We have a lot of people, though, who, where the, the passive speculation models worked out, where you buy a bunch of bulkers, throw them in the closet, and forget about it for a while. I think as long as your entry fee on cards that you're doing this for is less than $5 each, it's not that much capital to worry about. 
anything over that and it starts to hit your wallet a lot, especially when you're buying multiple copies. So for passive, anything under $5, don't worry about it, throw it in a closet. For anything over, keep it in a binder and monitor it or get rid of it fat sooner rather than later. Because anything over $5 is where you start to see actual profit margins rather than ogring stuff at GPs. I think kind of the biggest takeaway uh, from this is, you know, like, like a lot of the advice that we have on this podcast, it, you know, some of it applies like from my perspective or Jeremy's perspective, it kind of apply, implies that you have to have a store, you have to be kind of a larger business where some advice that both Jim, Jim and Travis provide, it's more of, you know, kind of a casual, you know, this isn't your business, this isn't your full-time job type thing. But the biggest kind of takeaway from all this is that you need to be able to turn over your cards. At the end of the day, you can have as big of a collection as you want, but if you're not able to turn it over, whether it be you paid too much, you're not willing to get rid of it, ultimately it's going to hurt your bottom line. And the second thing is that you, like the amount of time you put in is a non-zero cost that I don't necessarily think people put enough emphasis on. Right, like if you look at, I guess, uh, this only applies to people who, are wa who actually watch the video, like that is the amount of cards that have to go online. And this actually keeps growing. Um, for people who are just listening to the podcast, there's probably close to 105Ks and 4Ks of cards over here. Um, these have been sitting here. I have a box that's labeled from September that has yet to be put online. And these are types of things that, you know, like t time is a very, very valuable resource. It's one of the resources that you can't really buy more of, no matter how much money you throw at short of getting more labor. Um, being able to turn over cards is such a big thing. And I think most people get kind of caught up in their profit margins and less on how much time is this actually going to take me to turn over a profit. I'm going to disagree with one point, because if you're Peter Thiel, or one of those guys, you actually buy blood from 18 year olds and drink it in order to make yourself younger. So you can buy time, but you have to be like ultra billionaire to do it. So you're saying that they uh, tres trespass the temporal? Okay, stop it. Uh, damn, man, that was a lot of cards. And I agree with you. We've talked about this before, like in various articles and everything is uh, the amount of time it takes is, is pretty intense sometimes. And it quickly goes from hobby into job. And like for most people, just go work at McDonald's. And the biggest thing is like, you know, now we're looking at so much uncertainty in the market, right? Like if people have been following me, like I've in basically in this past week, I'm, I've basically just kind of entirely cashed out of my personal magic collection. I see no reason to own magic cards anymore. I have no desire to try and get back on the pro tour, at least not with any concerned amount of effort. Um, I just don't have time to play magic anymore. I have no real need to own magic cards. Um, almost everything I have will be sold off. Uh, not to make this like a, an ad or anything, but if people want cards, hit me up. Uh, realistically, all I'm looking to hold on to is basically graded alpha cards. Um, like I think res the reserve list is still a safe investment. Um, I'm sure that's kind of a different topic entirely. But if I'm looking to buy a magic cards, basically it's only going to be reserve list cards or alpha, beta, like old school type cards, things that will continue to be valuable even if magic dies, even if modern dies. Like these are the types of cards that will be worth holding on to, mainly because alpha, alpha cards, especially like power, or whatever, they have a certain level of mystique to them that kind of transcends the quality of the actual game itself. They're if just we're selling cardboard. 
if we're selling cards, I have a couple full play sets I'd like to get rid of. You can message me on Twitter. Pieces of cardboard. Oh, man. I hope Jeremy just ruined like $1,000 on camera. That or it's a proxy you probably pulled out of a collection, right? Or a counterfeit you pulled out of a That would collection. be awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's one of the million counterfeits that someone sold that people keep trying to sell me because they think I'm stupid. They're just <laughs> like, oh, let's, let's get the guy, the, right. one, the one person in the area who actually handles power. On a I want to take, take a moment because I know somebody that bought a bunch of those locally because they just play it in like Cube and everything. But I cannot stress to you, don't buy that crap. Like, I don't care if you're just putting it in your cube at home. Don't send them money. Don't buy it. Like, do not participate in that. I know you're like, I'm only one person. Now, what difference does it make if I buy counterfeits? It's only one vote. Don't do it and tell your friends to knock it off too because that, that is what will ruin magic. And that is Travis's split second segment. I have a, I have a story I want to share real quick about counterfeits and how bad some of them really are, despite not looking that bad. So one of the, I don't want to say local shops, but like a couple of towns over a small shop got a counterfeit dark confidant into the store and they paid for it and they bought it. And then they're like posting it on their Facebook. They're like, you know, look at this. It's like extra shiny. It's like got this glossy feel to it. You know, don't buy this card. And Nobody could understand why they bought the Dark Confidant because it was a 2-2. Well, that's actually, there's precedent for that even in Magic. What is it, the Spanish Maloku makes 2-2s. Uh, they are mistranslated foreign cards, but they're not English cards that have the wrong printed text on them. Korean well, no, Ashiak has the wrong plus ability. That's one of them. There's another one too, I forget which one. Uh, Rurik Thar in Portuguese says only when your opponents cast non-creature spells, he sixes them. That's pretty um, good. <laughs> that, is, that is the best upgrade so far. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, really they, sounds like a grueling card to play against. I think the simplified Chinese foil Garrick Apex Predator doesn't have starting loyalty. Oh, by the way, uh, someone brought this up. That's good, too. Somebody brought this up on Twitter today because they were looking for a foil Spanish Hall of the Bandit Lord. It's my so, buddy Drew over at uh, Quad Nines. Yeah, so I had to look up. I looked it up because I figured it was kind of goofy because Soren, Lord of Innistrad, is Soren, Señor de Innistrad. And Hall of the Bandit Lord is Salón del Señor de los Banditos, <laughs> which is pretty good too. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's like a lot of like weird cards that are worth money because of their names. Like uh, Sark, uh, Sarkon. Sarkon El Loco. Yeah, Sarkhan the Mad is Sarkhan El Loco. Um, Mir Superion's Ubermere. The yeah. French delay is Retard. Yep. Worm Spiral Machine. Yes, Worm Spiral Machine is uh, Worm Coil Engine in German. And remember, if you're investing on this cast, since we try to teach you how to make money, buy Spanish cards sooner rather than later because they're not going to make it over to the border anytime soon i thought there was going to be a, a pun but i guess it's just a it's just a bad joke political joke yeah just a man we should never really talk politics on this cast we're all over the place uh, uh i mean we're really only in three places but sure whatever yeah well we don't know ed we know jeremy's a filthy libertarian because he doesn't has never lived in the real world but ed remains a mystery 
Yeah, well, but I'm still I, okay like, with you marrying your boyfriend, Travis. <laughs> That's why I said filthy libertarian. Ed. It's like nope, not nah, muting the mic. <laughs> nope, nope. I'm not, I'm not, I have nothing to add at this point. Ed, Ed joined. You joined our chat a little late. Um, we haven't really done it lately, but we used to get. If you scroll, if you just hold down page up in the Facebook chat for a while, we used to get into quite a bit of discussions on this topic back when like uh, Corbin and DJ and those guys were in the chat. Jason Alt for all of three minutes. <laughs> I, he didn't last that long. You invited him and he immediately left. Yeah. Twice, I believe. Twice, yeah. Um, but we're a finance cast. We're not. This isn't like a. Yeah, money doesn't have anything to do with politics. Yep. Uh, yep. So, in other news, <laughs> you're actually going somewhere with this, or do you? Ha or can I take a topic? Yeah, go for it. I'm so uh, tired. It doesn't matter. All right. Did you guys have you guys spotted anything that you think is? Um, is going anywhere from Modern Masters? Like, have you guys picked up? I guess that kind of segues in the pick of the week. But have you know picked up on anything that's not already forty or fifty dollars? As I don't want the Great Rebel. The, okay, I suppose that would have been fair last week before you bought four hundred. I mean, I picked it the week before that, and it hasn't gone down yet, which I've actually found odd. Normally, at this point, people would be undercutting each other. How about you, Ed? Ed, you yeah. hear me? Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my my bun was uh, not working. Um, I think it's it's hard to say. Like, obviously, people have nailed out most of the obvious ones, like Karn, Mox Opal. All those have kind of we've seen like substantial increase in those, even kind of down to like Batter Skull, some of the more narrow cards. Um, I think next it might be time to start looking at like uncommons and commons. I think kitchen Finks is one that kind of stands out to me. Like Mishra's bobble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Mishra's bobble. Um, kitchen. Shout out to Reddit for calling out scumbag Ed for buying out Mishra's bobble. I did no such thing. I did no such thing. We wanted yeah, to put that on the cast because all of Reddit thinks that Ed bought it out after calling it on the cast. Um, Kitchen Finks is one of those kind of evergreen cards that people always like. It's always kind of a staple in Abzan Company, Abzan, Jund. It, it always sees a fair amount of play, um, you know, even in casual. It, it Kitchen Finks is kind of a good example. Lava Spike, Rift Bolt, those are, you know, those are commons that we sell all day at 3 to $4, uh, like $2 on Rift Bolt or whatever. But it's one of those things, it's getting harder to find. I think those are kind of the next steps that people haven't really kind of jumped on board with yet. Um, Court of Calling is one of the cards that kind of dodges the reprint. It wasn't super expensive to begin with, but it's one of those cards that has a very high ceiling. It's these types of cards that they may be a little bit more narrow, but they're kind of hard to find. You don't always see them in trade binders. People don't always have them available. And I think some amount of those cards are kind of probably the next step in modern if you're looking to kind of sneak under radar and get a cheap spec. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good idea. And that's kind of where I've been. But identifying specific cards is tough. Like the ultra obvious what didn't get unbanned or what didn't get reprinted, Hierarch, Opal, Karn is easy. But then it's like, what's the layer after that? And those are the hard stuff to find. And you're on the right track. I just don't not sure what they are. But I think some of your ideas are good. Court of Calling, I like mostly because I have a bunch. <laughs> Let's get in a pick of the week then because I've got an easy one. 
You guys are okay with that? Okay, well, go ahead. Are, yeah, are you going to like sing? Like, what are, are we going to ask me what my pick of the week is, you guys? Come on. No, man. Sleepy Zemmet is not a good podcaster, but I can't help it. Uh, my pick of the week is... It's Sleep Ocean, right? Sleep Ocean? No, it's the card Sleep from M12. Uh, Grasp of Fate from Commander 2015. Uh, starting to go up. It's an Oblivion Ring for each player, and there's almost no supply out there. It's uh, one white-white. I think this card hits $5 by next week, and I'm not going to touch this one on the internet. By which I mean I won't buy it out. Yeah, you did, you're going to do exactly what you do with Wars Toll. Find a card that like people should play more of, but don't, and then remind them, and then people go and buy them, and then it goes... Martin Stromgold! Martin Stromgold! Play more Thank Martin Stromgold! Yeah, that went up like a quarter last night. Yeah, there are nine near-mint copies on TCG Player. Yep, that's my pick. Uh, really good commander card. Super easy to pull out of a bulker box and free money down the road. Who wants to go next? Go ahead, Jim. All right, so these are probably not worth picking up just yet, but when Modern Masters 2017 boxes go to their lowest and everything is pretty much bottomed out, um, these are probably the easiest things to purchase that people won't notice. Um, there are three cards that'll be almost bulk mythics at that point, which are, I think are going to be good to buy, which are Sphinx's Revelation, Bonfire of the Damned, and Temporal Mastery. Um, they're all like $2 right now, and they're just like great in EDH. Well, Bonfire is like not as great, but they're just like really big spells that I'm not really sure after this Modern Masters how many times they're going to have to uh, reprint them. Like, I didn't really think that Temporal Mastery was going to get reprinted ever, pretty much, because of the the uh, Miracle mechanic. But, you know, they did it in this set. They're probably not going to do it in the next Modern Masters. So when do these cards get reprinted? Probably never. And Sphinx's Revelation is just, the, like, the best Blue Sun Zenith, like, uh, Stroke of Genius kind of card. And it's great in every EDH deck that can play it. It's kind of like Cyclonic Rift. Um, and I just want to pause you for two seconds. I'm not sure if Jeremy said grasp of darkness or grasp of fate, but he meant grasp of fate. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Ed. Sorry. Um, I think the easy answer is uh, thought vessel. It's one of those things that's been brought before. It's a great. Yeah, uh, yeah. We already called that. You got to give them new stuff. That new blood. <sighs> I think this week I'm probably going to spend some time looking over the banner restricted list. Um, it's one of those kind of sweet things to get in and out of. Um, Bloodbraid Elf, Chase the Mind Sculptor, Mind Twist, Mind Twist Earthcraft. Those always spike right before an announcement. Yeah. Splinter Twins like one of the ones that I think people are like really hopefully purchasing with the like the fingers crossed that it's going to get unbanned this time, and I don't think it's going to. They're not the thing is if they're gonna unban anything, they're not immediately gonna unban the card that they just banned. They will try other cards before they circle back around to that. Uh, you don't know that. You don't know their life. I think I think modern is kind of in a kind of a safe zone right now where there's no like kind of danger decks. Like yeah, the Death Shadow deck is like good or whatever. 
but with Death Shadow just obviously got reprinted, so unlikely we'll see that deck get the axe. Um, so there, unlike a few months ago where everyone was kind of like on the oh like Dredge probably needs to get hit with this uh, ban hammer, Infect is continuously doing well. Like those are the types of things that are kind of worried about. I think Modern's kind of on a lower power level now. So I think if there was going to be an opportunity for Wizards to unban something, it would probably be uh, next Monday, uh, March 13th. Um, yeah, Blood Raid Elf, Jace, like, those are the easy ones. Um, I think something like the Artifact Lands are a low opportunity cost. There aren't a ton of them. They haven't seen a reprint in some time. Uh, you could easily get a bunch of sets of those. People are obviously going to try them in Affinity if it does get unbanned, even though they're unlikely to be good enough. Um, so I think those are cheap pickups that are kind of safe. Um, trying to think of another card that can realistically get unbanned in modern that will just completely break the format in half. Uh, if you're gonna buy artifact lands, just buy the blue, black, and white ones. Don't buy the green and red ones; they're really bad. I mean, like the affinity decks do play mountains. They do need red sources for shrapnel blast, galvanic blast, whatever. It's not the worst thing, right? They cost so little. I mean, you, part part of the reasoning is going to be, like, if they bring back the artifact lands, then all of the older affinity cards that have, like, a literal affinity for artifacts on them get better, and the blue sources were much more important than uh, the red sources at that point in time. Plus, like, well, I guess the red one's actually not that bad. Just don't buy Tree of Tales. That one's just actual garbage, and no one ever plays with it. There's actual no reason to do that. Like, there are some EDH decks that play the other ones, but the green one, like, just almost never gets played. And that's why it's going to be the cheapest. And I don't think it even has a reprint yet. Yeah, I think, like, I'm just kind of browsing the band list right now. Um, green Sun Zenith is one of those cards where I think it was kind of from an era where Modern was a little less open than it was now. That's kind of a safe one. The Eternal Masters reprint did hurt it, but that's, I think, realistically, if you want to buy, like, you know, 40 of them or something, your cost is so little. It doesn't really cost you anything because you can still pawn off on casual players, EDH players, legacy players, etc. Um, if I had to gamble on something, it would probably be either uh, Green Sun Zenith or Stoneforge Mystic for this go-around. Oh, man, I'm, I wish we could get Green Suns back. I, I don't... The thing is, I don't think... Green Sun wasn't banned because it was too good. It was banned because it was too... Uh, too narrowing right like every green deck turned into the same thing well they banned green some before pod because you could get pod out on turn two yeah um that it also part of the problem was dryad arbor but yep. that card yeah. just get banned that'd be fine with me also agreed but at the same time at, at least now that quarter calling and uh both quarter calling collected company are in the format i don't even know if they feel like they need the ban unbanned green sun zenith like you have two tools that are kind of similar um Anyways, my pick of the week is uh, Nature's Will. So this is a four mana green enchantment from Champions of Kamigawa that uh, whenever you deal damage to a player, you tap all their lands and untap all of yours. It's the untapping your lands. It's really good. Um, there's not a lot of stock left on this. Honestly, we're probably a couple days, maybe even a week late as it is. But if you can find cheaper copies, like five and below, this is a good pickup. The card's really good. It's like 1,500x on EDA track. Um, so I think that's that's one of the better ones I've given you guys, I think. All right, and let's close out this cast with some shout-outs if you guys want to give them away. 
Uh, I have two of them this week, actually. Uh, Matt and Colin. Um, they they just bought cards for me, but I think one of the things that kind of resonates with me is whenever people just kind of out of the blue tell me that they like my insight or whatever for for whatever reason, I kind of get happy knowing that my ridiculous ideas actually resonate with people. So I have no idea how often that happens, but it's nice to know that people actually listen to me. So thank you, you guys. Appreciate it. Uh, shout out to Thomas because I'm going to see him next weekend. I live in a cold and desolate world, so I have nobody to shout out. Shout out to the guy who paid me in 30 troy ounces of silver at the shop. That's, uh, that's one of the more interesting stories. Uh, you don't trust the, uh, the government, but you trust silver bars, I guess. So that was cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's pretty much it. That was like a one out of left field. I think magic for silver might actually be a new one for me. I've seen a lot of crazy things go down, like in terms of, you know, cards for food or whatever. Obviously, that happens playing at Grand Prix. But weed. magic for silver, weed, yeah, I mean, probably shouldn't talk about that. But uh, you've seen it. Like, whether from. or not you were involved, you've seen it. Yeah, yeah certainly, certainly. I've <laughs> certainly seen harder things traded for than weed. You mean but, uh, you've allegedly seen harder things traded? Right. That. Yeah. Allegedly. Right. Uh, definitely have seen magic for Altoids and various other things um, that come Wait, in questionable it? metal boxes. Wait, no, no, so it's more like, I'll give you magic cards if you'll use these Altoids? <laughs> yes, use those Altoids. And where can people find you guys? The same place they can find me every week, Pinky. Trying to take over the world. I love that reference, Jim. Ed? Uh, Edwin13 on Twitter. I will be in New Jersey this weekend. Uh, Shizuoka next weekend. Orlando the weekend after that. Uh, San Antonio, Mexico City, and in uh, about four hours on Brainstorm Brewery. <laughs> what? They invited you on Brainstorm Brewery? Those motherfuckers steal everyone. They also invited me, but I told Jason that I needed to go to sleep at a reasonable hour, which was not when they were wanting to cast. Wait, I thought Jason wasn't on this week, and that's why they were having someone on. I don't know. Uh, Corbin isn't on this week. I Corbin, think. okay. Yeah. Well, good luck with that, Ed. If you guys like Ed's content, you should listen to Brainstorm Brewery because it also has Doug, who was on our cast for a year. Ah, uh, what content? <laughs> I'm on uh, Twitter, Wizard Bumpin'. It's in the label underneath my face. Uh, every Monday on MTG Price, uh, and I do the podcast MTG Fast Finance. And uh, if you like playing Magic, check out Scry.Land. Find Magic in your area. Jeremy, you're, you're last there. Did Jim already go? Yeah. Oh, I mean, kind of, but not really. Oh, sorry. Did you get interrupted by Jeremy? No, I mean, I said it jokingly instead of what I was actually going to say. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. You can find all my other stuff on Twitter because I retweet it to make it like your life easier. You can find me at Grand Prix Orlando in Ditto. weeks. Woo, Ed and I are crashing. Grand Prix Harry Potter. Yep. Grand Prix, uh, I'm probably going to have to not tell, not let anyone else sleep in my house as I don't have any more places for them to sleep. I've got a sleeping bag and I need a floor. 
I mean, I have a couch. Like, I don't want you to actually sleep on the floor, but I I only sleep on floors. All right, whatever makes you happy, man. Whatever yeah. makes you happy. Um, what? Wait. Uh, okay. Sorry. Right, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. We'll just we'll just go ahead and finish the cast. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, this could be like an after hours thing. We could talk about that sometime. But yeah, I don't sleep in beds. Um. <laughs> oh, is that why there's cards in yours? Yeah. Exactly. Actually, there are uh, twelve five rows on this one and beer nuts and a bunch of binders on the top one. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can find me in the great state of Missouri. Uh, you can find me getting picked up by a tornado in about 10 minutes, according to the weather forecast. So if I don't make it out, I want Doug back on this cast to replace me because it'll probably be better for the listeners. Uh, sorry that I was so tired. I got like no sleep because of exams and, uh, one of the most important rules is that everything school related is more important than uh, magic for anyone listening, for people who are going to try to go grinder lifestyle, just stick to your books, kids. Um, you can find me at Valhalla's Gate, you can find me in St. Louis, and you can find me on Cartel Aristocrats cast number 46 next week. So thanks for listening, guys. I'll get some sleep and we'll see you go. We'll see all of you guys next week. Thanks for listening.